0: Welcome back to another edition of the Disney Dish Podcast with Jim Hill. It's me, Len Testa. We are firmly in our July summer season. We have passed our salute to all nations, but mainly America which was last week. And in order to continue our summer celebration of watermelon, short shorts and suntans, let's bring in
1: one Mr. Jim Hill. Jim, how's it going? Oh, I think I get confused. You're wearing the watermelons? (laughs) Yeah, okay. That would explain the the hesitancy of people to eat the dessert. (laughs) So you have been someplace interesting.
0: Some big news, right? Earlier today, I managed to sneak over the fence into Toy Story Land and got to ride both of the rides. Walk around the land. Would you like to hear about it? Absolutely. Here's how you get into the land. You walk down the stairs to the right of the Chinese Theater Make your left like you're going to Walt Disney Presents or Toy Story Mania now, but you make an immediate right, and you know there's there's that sort of long walkway that I think used to go to Captain Jack Sparrow movie. You remember that like a few years ago? That thing by the bathrooms. Yeah. Continue that way, and that's the walkway into the land. You make a sharp left. You start to see the theming of you know, Tinker Toys above you. It's uh, it's fairly well
1: themed. The imagery looks. A lot like the, uh, or is it, is it Hong Kong that has this, gym? There's a couple of them now. Shanghai, Hong Kong has this one. Uh, Paris actually has a somewhat smaller version of this, but yeah. But you see lots
0: of uh, Christmas lights strung between the Tinker Toys. The Tinker Toys are functioning as streetlights, uh, lampposts, if you will, on this. Lots of really cute touches. Benches made of dominoes, things like that. The main impression I got from the theming of the land was that it was better than anticipated. Number one, I thought it would be smaller, Mm. the land itself. Number two, I didn't think it would be as detailed, but they seem to have copied over a lot of like toy instructions, the sort of the ephemera of your childhood. Mm -hmm. They seem to have got a lot of that right. The other thing I'll say is this, the signage is actually blends in really well with the rest of the theming. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking for a sign that says restrooms, it's probably written in blue crayon somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's mildly interesting. It's almost like you know, in when they first opened Africa at the Animal Kingdom, one of the big complaints was that the restroom signage blended in with the rest of the scenery.
1: Yeah, and I
0: think this is here as well. But overall, theming really well done. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's uh, it's better than I than I anticipated. We rode Slinky Dog first, mm-hmm. and by the way, I had a fast pass for it somehow, and it worked. Mm-hmm. I think literally, I'm the first person to ever go through the Slinky Dog fast pass line. Oh. Okay. I'll take that check mark. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> I walked up and the cast member said FastPass isn't working and I tapped my band and it lit green. She's like, "Oh, you're uh, right." <laughs> okay. Okay. Whatever works. Mm-hmm. The loading station is actually pretty impressive. It's covered, uh, the vast majority of the queue is outside. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be an issue. But once you get through the the covering, it's it's again, it's actually fairly well done. Lots of detail, detail on the ceiling, detail on the sides. The load process looks pretty fast. The cars are pretty comfortable. Mm-hmm. You get side by side seating, so it's nine rows of two, mm-hmm. 18 people per dog. Each person has their own lap harness, mm-hmm. so it's a it's sort of like Santador Mind train, so it falls down on your on your lap. It's not one bar that goes across like a big thunder. Mm-hmm. The ride sensation itself is very good. I think it's about two minutes. Just shy. Yeah, mm-hmm. two minutes not counting you know getting on and off mm-hmm. or anything but very pleasant ride the entertainment factor of it is higher than i expected and i'm not saying that it's it's thrills mm-hmm. but you know they're doing peaks and valleys and some tight turns and it's it's more entertaining than i anticipated it's a, on a bigger scale imagine barnstormer mm-hmm. on a bigger longer scale and with a smoother ride okay and i mean that in, in the best way possible I, I think it's a quality ride mm-hmm. you do get a couple of instances where if you're willing to crane your neck, you get fantastic views of Galaxy's Edge. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. But overall, I said that was a great ride. They, there are a couple of really nice touches on the ride, too. There's, I um, remember the games that you used to play in the 70s where, in order to simulate fire, they had these little stickers of flames that would spin on an axis like a top. Oh, yeah. They have those in the ride to simulate flame as well. Mm-hmm. I thought it worked really well. That was very funny. A nice homage to that era mm-hmm. of things. I mean, this is clearly this, this ride is meant is it's a nostalgia play for baby boomers, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is that sort of callback to it. I thought it was a, a very fun ride. I can see lines for this thing being incredibly long throughout the summer. I liked it. I thought it's, it's going to be a good addition to the park, nothing wrong with Slinky Dog for what it is. Is, is it, you know, it doesn't have the detail or the animatronics of a uh, Seven Dwarfs Mine Train mm-hmm. and it's not in the middle of the park. Seven Doors Mine Train is sort of like the middle of Fantasyland. Mm -hmm. But still, it's going to be very popular with a lot of people.
1: Okay, to tumble back to something you said at the start here about the outdoor queue, particularly the lack of cover. Oh, a lot of it's outside, right? In the sun. Yeah. If we could figure out a way to do this, we got an email this week from somebody who'd done some work for Imagineering. He actually talked about the dichotomy between Ops at the Park's and Imagineering. This is not the first time that Disney has opened a brand new attraction with no shade structure.
0: Yeah. It's more reminiscent, actually, of Disneyland. If you think about Disneyland rides, mm-hmm. most of those are outdoor queues. Yep. It's always sunny in California, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. If, if you're going to wait two hours in the sun for this, there are going to be some issues. I mean, you, you better bring the sunscreen and, and some towels. Mm-hmm. It's, it's going to be hot out there, no doubt.
1: What makes me crazy is it's always the same dance. Imagineering builds an attraction, And knows going into this, that this is Florida, that there's going to be extreme weather, and they don't build the shade structure. And it's up to the park then to find the money. And this usually happens on the first rehab. So we're 18 months to two years after an attraction opens before we see the shade structure. And since this is a brand new part of the park, that's going to have huge appeal to kids. So it's small kids standing in no shade for hours. This place has been open since 1971. I'm sorry. I know that as far as the Imagineers are concerned, they're all about spending the money on the ride and giving the guests the best possible experience. But (laughs) (laughs) Those that
0: make it through the Trail of Tears? (laughs) You survivors. I mean, the experience you're going to have is just phenomenal.
1: (laughs) I'm not faulting the Slinky Dog Dash. It's a wonderful kinetic for that back of the park. In fact, friends who have been in there for the nighttime variation on this thing, just r- uh, raved about the nighttime lighting package and you know how it's a whole.
0: Yeah, it's going to look great at night. It's going to. I mean, uh, tonight it's thunderstorming, so we're not going out at night because we're not going to be lightning rods. But mm-hmm. uh, once it officially opens, we'll go back and look at it at night. The pictures I've seen are are just phenomenal. But you're right. I mean, they've got. here So here's the, here's the thing, Jim. Mm-hmm. I don't think they can cover the queue mm-hmm. because the Slinky Dog signage. Mm-hmm is only barely on the second story of the building, if you will. So you know, the first story, obviously, is your entrance. Mm-hmm. The queue extends so far out in front of the building mm-hmm. that if you were to put covers on the top of the Tinker Toys, if you were to put canvas panels or something, you would basically block the entire view of the Slinky Dog signage, and you'd lose almost all the theming in the land, mm-hmm. unless there was somehow some sort of like clear signage. But I think that's that's the problem. It's not tall enough of a, of a structure. To see anything else, you would lose almost all of the visual theming in the land if you put covers on it. Now, that's not excusing it, right? I mean, there are obviously many ways in which you can provide a covered queue Mm -hmm. and theme it, right? You could have put the queue in the back of the ride and then covered it, right? I mean, you could do things like that. They do have fans Mm -hmm. in the queue. I see three in like an acre. (laughs) I don't know how that's going to work out. It's funny that you mentioned it too, because every cast member that I've spoken to mm-hmm. said exactly the same thing. That like, I hope there's enough fans, mm-hmm. and they said it like in a way that they know there's not enough fans. Ooh. If there's going to be a problem, it's going to happen right off the bat. It's going to be because obviously it's opening last day of June, so we're you know going into July. If there's a problem, it'll happen very soon. Oh, the other thing is this mm-hmm. because it's an outdoor roller coaster ride. Mm-hmm. If there's lightning in the area, they dump the queue, oh. and they shut down the ride, which every day at three o'clock will happen. That said, the ride itself. Good. I give it three and a half stars. Okay. In review. okay. How about the land
1: itself? Does it feel like 11 acres?
0: Yeah, it feels bigger than I, than I anticipated. They weren't operating the restaurant mm-hmm. when I was there. It looks like they were they were getting ready to, for some sort of event tonight. Okay. So they weren't selling uh, foods. I did hear that the brisket mm-hmm. sandwich was really, really good. And I keep calling them tater tot nachos. <laughs> and I'm, I am constantly corrected by Disney media mm-hmm. who look at me sternly and do air quotes to say potato barrel. Ah. Because tater Tot apparently is a trademark word, potato barrel nachos. Uh, so you don't want
1: to get on the wrong side of Arita's legal department, Len. <laughs> exactly,
0: exactly. There are people buried in ditches in Idaho. I mean, if there's one thing we've learned, it's not to cross a, a lawyer in Idaho, right? Yeah,
1: potato land.
0: <laughs> it was definitely bigger than it, than it felt. And I can see how it's going to be a decent exit for Galaxy's Edge when Galaxy's Edge opens.
1: To double back to the restaurant, the friend of the show, Angela, was there this past Sunday for the Casper preview. And in fact, ironically enough, her ticket was in the 3 to 3.30 window. So yes, as she was there, the skies opened up and they chased everybody out of the land. But she was talking about how they stopped and got food at the lunchbox and it was this wonderful presentation. But again, they see the storm coming on the horizon and they go to the outside seating area where there's this sea of of tables, but only two umbrellas.
0: Everything has umbrellas now, Jim. Good.
1: Good. The umbrellas are actually pretty
0: decent. Like you could you could stand under them and not get too wet even in a torrential
1: storm. These are sort of the fancy schmancy umbrellas with the, the sort of the vent in the top thing. Is the, Did you have one of those? Or There's a variety of those around. Mm. And then there
0: are other, I mean, they're colorful, right? They're like a heavy vinyl okay. or a plastic. There was absolutely, absolutely no problems with those whatsoever.
1: Okay. What ended up happening with Angela is when the skies opened up, evidently the way the vents are set up. The water pours down the center of the umbrella, which unfortunately is where they set their tray. <laughs> no, really? So they went from sandwiches to soup in about 30 seconds. Oh, uh, I didn't notice that, but I can I can totally see it. And of course, Toy Story Land is planting the flag for the repositioning of the park. Going forward, we're going to see Galaxy's Edge, huge part of the identity of this park but also the Pixar characters. And did you see the news coming out of the what's new? What's next today?
0: Oh, the, uh, Lightning McQueen racing Academy show at the studios. Well, yeah, we had, we had said, you know, you and I called this a couple months ago mm. that in anticipation of galaxy's edge, the studios is going to have to put mm-hmm. more live entertainment out because it's too late for them to build more rides.
1: But did you see where this is going? No, I did not. They didn't say that. This is going inside of the Black Box Theater on Sunset, the Studio Showcase. Ah, okay. All right.
0: So that makes sense though because they they can't get rid of a show to add a show. Yeah. So what does this gonna be like a dance party?
1: The way they're describing is it, it's sort of a greatly enhanced meet and greet that it's Lightning McQueen looking back on his career, Mater will be in the space, likewise Cruz Ramirez that that's the new young racer character from Cars 3. I'm assuming it really is more of a come in, the characters talk for a moment, and then it's more about getting your pictures taken with the characters, and then they chase you out of the building for the next group of folks to come through. But get ready for the pixification of that side of the park, because between those two points, there's a lot of real estate that Launch Bay is sitting in that obviously is going to be kind of useless once Galaxy's Edge opens, so
0: yeah, that'll shut down pretty quickly. Or they might they might keep it open just as an overflow. I can't imagine them closing anything once uh, Galaxy's Edge opens, just because of the people.
1: Oh no, no, definitely the first first year, year and a half, but everything has to stay up and running because of the crazy capacity crowds. But as we look toward 2021 and beyond, watch that space.
0: So Jim, let me ask you this question. I heard a, uh, of a rumor today that uh, Toy Story Land in World cost $200 million to build, which is $50 million less than Hogwarts at <laughs> Universal.
1: I couldn't believe that number. I would believe maybe half of that number. The horticulture department did an amazing job and the signage and that sort of thing. This was all working backstage. Part of the cost of the construction of Toy Story Land as well as Galaxy's Edge was the demo, the pull-down, having to reconfigure the conduit and water pipes and that sort of thing. So, yes, all of Hogsmeade, Universal got all of that for $175 million back in 2010. Did you get to the end of the land where there's supposedly going to be, like, Grand Avenue, sort of a queue holding space for folks going into Batuu Or That's where I think
0: the, the queue is going to be. I think that's where the entrance is going okay. to be. Interestingly, they walked us in mm-hmm. In an area, it was broken asphalt. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll leave it at that. It was not paved. It was not finished. Mm-hmm. It was uneven asphalt. Mm-hmm. And you could tell, like, it was half, sort of like half paved, half concreted over. This is clearly not going to be a pedestrian walkway, mm-hmm. but it's a snake shaped sliver of land between Galaxy's Edge and Toy Story Land. I think that's going to be either an emergency exit mm-hmm. or an alternate dumping ground for people coming out of Galaxy's Edge you walked back to you know the far end of Pixar Place Mm -hmm. if you were to walk past Toy Story Land entrance on your right and you walked all the way to the end where that that fence is that's where they let us back in to Pixar Place but I don't think that's going to be open except again for emergencies. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Alright Jimmy you want to take a quick break and then we'll uh, get on with the rest of the show? Sure. All right, we'll be right back folks. (music) And We're back. All right, Jim, in the main part of today's show, you wanted to talk about something called Disney's
1: Magical Voyage. What what is that? We actually got a heads up about a new television project that Disney Parks and Resorts is working on in collaboration with an outside production company. We got this information by way of their auditioning uh, folks to be associated with the show. And we'll just read from the sample script here. Disney is taking you on an adventure of a lifetime where real fans compete in incredible challenges all over the world in the real locations that inspired the greatest Disney films of all time. From Beauty and the Beast adventures in France to Peter Pan experiences in England to Milan challenges in China, each episode starts in Disney World launching our three teams to a new country with a step into a Disney movie through a series of theme trivia, challenges, riddles, and unforgettable excursions. This once in a lifetime adventure will challenge each team's knowledge, teamwork, and passion in their quest to win. The Golden Ears, and an amazing VIP Disney vacation. This sounds
0: to me, Jim, like a a televised way to sell Disney parks and adventures by Disney.
1: I made some calls and was walked through what they plan on doing. Somebody spilled the beans literally
0: after one phone call and went, uh, all right, go ahead. I'm super excited here.
1: Okay, well, well, the gimmick is you'd have the three teams meet in Norway, the show would start off. They'd meet their host in Norway, and then in Epcot in Norway. Yeah. By the way, right now you and I are going to be on a team <laughs> together,
0: right? I mean, you're going to be a team, right? Well, <laughs> okay. okay. But but here's the thing, Len. That, that wasn't a yes. I'm a little concerned here, Jim. So I'm a, that Wasn't a yes.
1: <laughs> I've talked with the production team, Len. There's a reason. Okay. You start off in Norway, and of course the camera pulls back and shows Frozen Ever After, and and they proceed to talk about you know they show you clips from the Frozen movie, and, you know, for example, they show how in the background of the film uh, there is the rose mailing that is used to give you that authentic Norwegian feel. And then uh, yep. they were going to walk these folks through the summerhouse and point out, oh, and we have rose mailing in here as well. And then you meet with Anna and Elsa in the photo area, who then hand them the envelope this is your quest. This is what you must do. All right. There's then a smash cut to these folks in actual Norway. Adventures
0: by Disney, Norway. That's, yeah. All right, all right. So
1: you're now in Norway and it's one of these things where it's like, please help find our friend Sven. And it's like, you're now herding reindeer. <laughs> it's basically the Disney version of The Amazing Race.
0: Yeah, exactly. That, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. You
1: know, so you cut back and forth from the free families again you're not going to get that one annoying family. In fact, that that evidently is the note that there's going to be you know how reality shows are cut together and you get the villain, the annoying guy for the season?
0: It's actually one of the reasons why I like the Great British Baking Show, because there is no villain.
1: You've been sucked in by that, too?
0: I love that show. So theres is there going to be a villain? One of these three families is going to be the villain or no? No,
1: no. That, that's the whole notion, uh, that okay. everybody's going right. to be nice. It's, it'd be
0: very on un- Disney to have, a, to, have you, to be like that. Okay, all right.
1: This is going to be an hour-long show. They're, the first season will have, they're trying to suss out now six to ten episodes, because... A large amount of this is a a massive exercise in coordination between parks and resorts, between the studio. Oh yeah. They're talking about one episode that starts in the Chinese pavilion that goes to footage cut from Milan and then you're in China, but they have to coordinate this because they're gonna start shooting that live action version of Milan in the next six months or so. And so it's like they want to be on the set to get footage of that. They want to be able to fold in clips of that as part of this show. It's very much an air traffic controller type project. There's a, a lot of plates that have to spin, a lot of bells and whistles and things that have to line up just so. It's this weird... Cross promotional thing. Adventures by Disney is right in the front window, but also parks and resorts are going to be pushing new rides and attractions. Uh, the studio, they want it to drop fall of next year because obviously, if they're going to do the Norway thing, that's when Frozen 2 arrives in theaters, November of 2019. Ah, uh, okay. I don't know if you're familiar with the show Disney Fairy Tale Weddings over on Freeform? Vaguely. This was announced and back on Valentine's Day, 2017, they announced they were going to do a 90-minute-long special. It airs on May 7th of that year, and it winds up being the highest-rated unscripted TV special ever to air on Freeform. And so, Disney is kicking the tires about: Well, do we go forward with? What else do we do with this? This is kind of a dark turn, but this is really seriously how the entertainment business works, that sometimes out of something terrible that happens, somebody sees an opportunity. On October 1st of 2017, Stephen Paddock opens fire on a crowd, the Route 91 Harvest music event in Las Vegas, leaving 58 right. people dead and 851 injured. People knew from the moment that happened, that's going to have a huge impact on Vegas. Oh, yeah. Vegas does... 115,000 weddings a year. Oh, yeah. My uh, my little sister got married in Vegas. Okay. It was great. It was fabulous. We had, Elvis was there. Oh. I
0: mean, and not, a, not an impersonator. We had the real Elvis <laughs> there. Wow. Okay. I know he was real because he told me he was. And we talked about him being on the spaceship.
1: Okay. That's my concern. It wasn't a question of they opened the Tupperware where they kept him in back. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I never told you the no, story. No,
1: no. I, I, so he walks yep.
0: in and I'm, you know, and it's my sister's wedding. So I'm emotional anyway. But I look at him. I'm like. I always knew you were alive. Like I knew, I knew in my heart, like you were alive. And there's like, I, and I know that, you know, I know when they said that the spaceship came and take you, that, that, that you were, you had to go, right. It was just Mm -hmm. your thing. And he said, little buddy, let me tell you, (laughs) you're on a spaceship that long. You learned something about yourself. Then they said, all right, let's do this thing. He turns me around and we walked down the aisle. (laughs) It was the greatest thing ever. (laughs) He he completely went along with what I was saying. He's like, let's get this done, man. All right. It was great. And then he sang Burn in Love at the end of the ceremony, which is my uh, little sister's favorite Elvis song. It was fantastic. You could not have done a better thing. I think think literally at the end of it, like, I mean, Chrissy obviously had, you know, there's a gratuity that goes along with Elvis. I think we all gave him all of the money we had in (laughs) our pockets, too. It was great. It was so good. (laughs) Oh my god, that was the best day. We also been up for 48 consecutive hours playing midnight bingo with old people and eating fried food downtown at the at Old Las Vegas. Oh, uh it was crazy. That's
1: great. Anyway, all right, go okay. ahead. <laughs> you can go to your store. So again, we have 115,000 weddings per year in Las Vegas. Disney World on the other hand, there's only 2,300 weddings done on Disney property per year.
0: Oh, that's nothing. Yeah, comparatively, that's nothing. Yeah.
1: It's just one of these things where it's like there's a lot of people who are suddenly going to have second thoughts about having weddings in Las Vegas. We can potentially capitalize on this. So that shooting happens on October 1st. October 17th, Freeform announces that a seven-episode series based on the Disney uh, fairy Tales wedding special is going to debut on Freeform in 2018. And But then, okay. two weeks later, that's not fast enough. Disney has second thoughts. So what they do is they actually peel one episode off of that pile— and they announced that for Freeform, which is the reconfigured ABC family, and they do that broadcasting event every holiday season, the 25 days of Christmas, they're going to take one of those episodes and drop it into the 25 days of Christmas programming event as a holiday special. So it's literally called Disney Fairytale Weddings Holiday Magic.
0: Oh, okay.
1: We're now waiting for the show to officially launch, and it does in May of this year on on Freeform, and it's doing ridiculously well. But here's the thing. In March of this year, the Lando authorities finished their inquiry on the Pulse shooting. Mm -hmm. Disney came so close to having its own Route 91 Harvest Festival situation.
0: Oh, yeah, I know.
1: Omar Mateen, the night he eventually went and shot up Pulse, Ten thirty on the night of June eleventh. So he's literally he's he's decided he's going over, and he's he's going to do something horrible. And but he's ten thirty that night. He's at Disney Springs. They've got him on Disney security video, and basically, he's casing the joint. And he sees that there's just too strong a police presence. And right. he he eventually leaves Disney Springs, but he doesn't leave Disney property. In fact, this is the thing of the inquiry. They have him on Disney property. He's on his phone. They've actually got his Google searches. He's at he's typing in Walt Disney world resort. He's driving around property. At one point they get a ping off of his car at 1230 at night. He's by Epcot. But the thing is Epcot had closed at nine o'clock at night. So he literally arrives too late and the, there's too many uniformed police on property. He's not comfortable there. So he's in his car on Disney property. He types in Orlando nightclubs and two names come up. Wow. Eve and Pulse. And he, he first drives to Eve. And the thing is that Eve has police cars blocking off the street and he defaults to his third choice. He goes to Pulse. I love that there are people who are watching this fairytale wedding show and are learning, for example, one of the more recent shows showed a, a wedding party out in front of the Chinese pavilion where they had the those lion dogs. Actually, one of them delivered the ring for the ceremony. Oh, really? Oh, that's nice. They're doing some fascinating stuff in sort of bumping out the borders of what people would consider as wedding venues because one of the reasons Disney can only get 2,300 weddings going on properties because it takes time to turn the wedding pavilion. I mean, there are days where they're doing four and five weddings a day in that thing. They start at yeah. nine o'clock in the morning and just each one of the brides thinks it's their special day. But again, it's like landing planes at O'Hare. That's what they're doing now with the show is they're showing that, well, have you thought about having your wedding at Alani? Have you thought about, you know, having your wedding in front of the castle or Pioneer Hall? And again, the swing back to Disney's magical voyage, this is all going to be about not only hyping the films, but it's like, oh my God, do you know about this amazing package that Adventures by Disney is is doing and that we could go to China and visit the set of where they shot the live action Mulan. So right now it's all about, I guess, they're looking to shoot the pilot's. There's some discussion about where they're going to go for the pilot, and right now, Maleficent Two is being shot. Oh, really? Uh, is uh, Angelina Julian? Yes, she is. And in fact, that's the <laughs> the uh-huh. interesting conversation is that is Maleficent actually set in a particular country? You <laughs> know, do we have an adventure by Disney package that would go? Th- oh, you know that that's that they're doing that. You know, yeah. That. What have we got that's shooting over the next nine months? they want to get the pilot of this up out of the ground for late 2019, early 2020. But again, it's, you know, where do we shoot and what film is coming out when? And half the fun of doing the show is people lobbying things through the mail and making us aware of stuff and then having to sort of beat the bushes to get some additional information.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. And I appreciate uh, everybody sending stuff in next time, Jim, I want to talk about a, uh, a survey that Disney has sent out. Asking about new theme park names. Uh, Some of those are pretty interesting. I I sent that to you. You saw it. Let's talk about it on the next show. How's that? That works. All right, folks. You've been listening to the Disney Dish Podcast with Jim Hill. We are produced fabulously by Aaron Adams, who likes it when other people play with his Tinker toys. Don't forget to write a review of our show on Stitcher and iTunes. Please tell us what you would like to hear next. For Jim, this is Len. We will see you on the next show.